Away they go. No problems with the start. There is two one hundred in the second inning. Gary Hall Jr., the extrovert, and Ian Thorpe battling it out down the pool. Thorpe is starting to go away from him. Joining me today on the Pro Swim Workouts podcast is a man who's been coaching at a top level for around 20 years now. He has been able to develop programs wherever he's gone most recently with uh, Albany Creek Swim Club up in Brisbane in Australia, where he was for around 10 years developing many, many athletes, some of which have gone on to hold records uh, in Queensland, Australian records, and in New South Wales. He's most recently moved on to St. Peter's Western, where he is the now the national head coach of the age group program there at St. Peter's Western. It's a warm welcome to uh, the Pro Swim Workouts podcast to Richard Slight. Mate, how are you going? I'm very good, mate. It is a pleasure to talk to my uh, ex-assistant coach um, and see how well you've been doing with these podcasts. Mate, you, you must be digging deep. You've had Bob Bowman on here. You've had Greg Troy on here. Yep. You've had Michael Bow on here. Yeah. And now you're now Richard Slight, who most people won't have even heard of. <laughs> well, I mean, it just it just flowed on. That that's how it went. Bob Bowman, Greg Troy, Greg Meehan, Michael Bow, Richard Slight. They were you were then next on the list. That's where yeah, the list from, was going. From excellence to excrement. <laughs> yes. <laughs> now, mate, we are we are on here today to talk about something that I know uh, you taught me a lot about in my um, year and a bit working with you at Albany Creek, which is long-term athlete development. I think it's something just from the outside looking in at other people coaching that everyone has an idea of, but sometimes you know we don't always follow those um, <laughs> those programs. Sometimes we're looking for the the fastest way to to get to the top. So sometimes these sort of things go by the wayside. So I thought today was a perfect opportunity to have a chat and, uh, and discuss sort of you know your philosophies around long-term athlete development it's a sort of a buzz term in other words basically how do we get swimmers from you know eight and nine years into our program and still have them with us at 22 and 23 performing at the elite level is that how you see long-term athlete development like how do you define that yeah um i used to sound like a bit of a turnip when i when i did my studies and I thought that I knew everything. I, uh, one of the things that I learned was about long-term athlete development, which um, I read about this guy called Bali, who talked about these different training components. And you had the fundamental phase of training. And then you go into your training to train phase, your, uh, your training to compete phase, your training to win phase, and all these things. And um, it's interesting, Rob, you... Um, at the end of the day, what we've got to try to do, I think, with long-term athlete development is educate parents on the, fact, on, on the fact that it does take a long time to develop a competitive swimmer. Um, and, you know, if you're lucky enough to have the, the number of coaches in your program, then obviously you, um, you want to build a model where, yeah, t- 
the skills and the fun and the love you introduce, that love of the sport at a young age. But you, you make parents aware that it's obviously about building the, um, the mastering some of the basics with technique um, and then building on that as they progress through the squads. You know, like I, I just believe that we're, we've got into a too much of a training to win mm. um, mode of mentality um, at a too young an age. And I think parents obviously just need to be educated on that. And, um, and we as coaches within our own programs, particularly head coaches, should take the lead on that um, and, educate, and educate parents on it. So, yeah, I, I, I think that's important. Mate, talking about training to, to win, how important is it at the moment? I'll get super specific about, you know, COVID-19 at the moment. And, and for a lot of people, they've been off, depending on where you are, depends on how long you've been out of the pool for. I'm talking to English athletes at the moment in the UK who are only just been back for two weeks. How important yep. is it at the moment as a coach to make sure you look at your athletes, you look at where you are in terms of them getting back in and you, you know, program accordingly rather than looking ahead going, well, shit, I've got to get ready for this meet. Um, yeah. You know, we, we're going to start smashing them now to get them ready. Yeah, 100%. I know, um, thankfully, we've done a few workshops with Swimming Queensland and um, a lot of the talks have just been on uh, being very patient. The worst mistake we could make as coaches is, um, is, you know, trying to get them back into where they were, where we left off pre-COVID as soon as possible. And... Uh, what, what I found interesting, I, I did a, uh, a two-week, uh, took my national squad over to train actually at Nudgee with David Proud, and we joined our national squads together. And, and although we'd done a little bit of um, coaching within our relative, pro, our respective programs, we, um, we both said during the time that we worked together, the kids, the kids actually, that, um, they picked their fitness up pretty quickly, mm. um, but what we didn't want, uh, the focus wasn't on to actually challenge them physiologically. The goal was to just use this time because we don't have any major meets now until next year. Yeah. You know, touch wood, if we can stay, um, if COVID, if we can get that under control and, and national events can go ahead next year. That's really the time that we've got now to, to build the foundations. I always feel at times that we're always chasing like meets, we're always preparing uh the 12 weeks and another 12 weeks and another 12 weeks where we actually had a, a we've been given an opportunity to be a bit more patient rob um and work on um you know depending on what level certainly with the, a national squad whatever technical inefficiencies individuals have got slow things down um don't need to put the kids under high levels of stress that's the best way that you can improve someone's fatigue um and um yeah and, and, and work on skills and obviously some land development work to 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 complement what they do in the pool. But yeah, not to rush. Take your time. Mate, great advice. And now we've got a fair bit to unpack here. So I want to you know get straight into it in terms of that long-term athlete development plan. And obviously it starts with our, our junior athletes. And as I mentioned, you know, you were Albany Creek for over 10 years and Although you were the head coach of the, you know, the senior group, you definitely kept your eye over all the moving parts. And, and one of those was the junior program. You know, what do you see as, as the key fundamentals in that area? So when the kids first come out to learn to swim, they get into the squads. 
you know, what are the key fundamentals that you want your, you know, assistants and junior coaches working on? Um, obviously, um, you, you, well, number one, fun. Number two, um, feel of the water. So just coming up with different ways for the kids to experiment, you know, um, sculling, uh, just fun activities. You can be creative, maybe even game activities. Uh, where the kids are, yeah, just experimenting. Um, so that obviously then um, in terms of the actual um, strokes that you're working on, body position, um, that's important first just to get the right, you know, the buoyancy, the body position. Um, and and then obviously like, you've got to keep things simple. When I talk to my junior coaches, it's just about, um, yeah, choosing a, a, a small number of drills not that are simple to execute, simple to explain, and, um, and, and doing things over short distances. That's important. I think sometimes, you know, just banging up and down and trying to get someone fit when they're eight or nine um, at the expense of technique is the worst thing we can do. If I had it my way, I'd move the bulkhead to, and set it up at 15 metres and then just do things over 15 metres with young kids, certainly the first group that come out of uh, Learn to Swim. So they're only ever doing things in a pretty fresh, um, non-fatigued state and that you're trying to develop uh, good habits at a very young age. You know, young, young coaches don't get recognized or don't get paid enough for the job that they do, Rob. It's such an important job to teach the basics and put things in place um, before they obviously move from squad to squad. So keep things simple. Uh, do things over short distances. Have fun. Uh, experiment with feel. Um, and, and, yeah, obviously you're going to do some kick and, and, some, and skills. That's important with the starts and the turns on each stroke, but keep it simple. Mate, I'll throw this one at you because we mentioned before how important uh, communication is with the parents and making sure they're on board and educating them as much as possible. You mentioned there the 15 metres. Now, I've been in situations myself when I started being a head coach at a pool where, um, you know, we had a 15-metre pool and I put in some... some um, um, but yeah, put in the bulkhead at 25 and said, no, we're just doing short distances with good technique. That was met with uh, some controversy from the parents saying that, no, they're not getting their fitness now. They're not getting worked enough now. How do you balance that? Now, I know you're right because, as I said, you know, that's, that's the philosophy that I share as well. But how do you sort of communicate that with the parents? Well, yeah, I mean, you, number one, you can get all the parents there with your coaches. And actually, I did this at Albany Creek a long time ago um, and actually explain why we do what we do, what the goals are of each phase um, and how important it links in. You, you've got to make them aware. A lot of the senior kids, uh, you know, would, would love to go back in a time machine and address some of the inefficiencies that they didn't work on when they were younger. I think if you can potentially use even an older swimmer when you do the education with the parents, um, that would help. Lots of, um, I'm renowned for my emails. As you would know, I used to send a lot out to parents and try to keep them educated that way. Um, obviously, at times you're going to do things over, you know, 25 meters. So 
I think, um, and it depends on the stroke that you're doing. It's certainly if you're doing a more complex stroke like flying breaststroke, uh, I'd definitely be doing things uh, over shorter distances. Uh, and initially at the beginning of any, any type of break from a holiday or whatever, uh, the other strokes too. But there's no, uh, use fins, you know, use, use things, a training aid that can help to, to maintain a, a better body position at times. Then you can add and um, add to the distance that you're doing with the kids. But yeah, look, it's, it's all about education. And then, like I say to my coaches, if, if any parent says anything to you, uh, just let the, the junior coach know that, you know, if anyone's got a problem, they'll talk to, they can talk to the head coach. Mm. And I'm more than happy to just explain why my junior coaches are doing what they're doing. Um, because at the end of the day, I mean, we obviously do it in a respectful way, but because um, we, we, we obviously have to, we respect the parents because they're, they're paying customers. But if we educate them and explain the, uh, the process as we go through it, and you'll get more of them on board than, than you won't. They just, they just need to be told about the process, hey? Mm. Now, what about the development squad level? So say, you know, to give you a, an idea, maybe that sort of junior state level, those younger ones that are coming through, we've identified they've got talent, but we also need to be cautious of the fact they're still young. Some of them are 10, 11, 12. I know you've had some ripper, you know, 12-year-olds that have come through. So you've got to be cautious of that, you know, just crack the whip. It's straight away. How do you go in terms of those guys with their development? Yeah, well, with that, they're obviously going to start swimming over um, greater distances. Um, but as, again, the coaches that work with those kids, it's important to, to, to make sure where you can. And this is the, the challenge for any coach in any program is the space that we've actually got. So if, if, uh, I think it's really important, a, good, a great Better coaches are able to differentiate. So as the kids progress, you'll go from more of a generic drill, yeah, two or three drills where everybody should be working on it. And then you start getting to a point where you can, you know, you know what, you're, you can, you, we'll raise the level of, from on the, on the simple to complex um, spectrum, you know, you, you're going to go, um, you're going to go, we're going to differentiate and say, well, look, you already know how to do these drills really well. Actually, we're going to progress to this drill with you. I'd like you to do this. I'd like you to do that. Um, maybe your top lane does um, a certain number of new drills that are a bit more challenging, but obviously your, your weakest lane would still be working on uh, simple drills. Um, and obviously your, your better lane would be doing uh, sets where you might be doing, you know, I don't know, 75s and hundreds, uh, 125s, 150s if you're short course, uh, whereas your, your weaker lanes are still doing 50s, 25s, 75s at most. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, so you, you, you're still, and depending on what the stroke is, I, I still believe that we've got to make sure that what they're doing is they're doing it as well as they can, as often as they can. I hate seeing coaches, junior coaches, development coaches, whatever, uh, doing fly with their athletes and they're just falling apart. So, it, you know, for example, you're only pushing off and doing four strokes of fly and then going into to either single arm fly uh, to continue with the fly theme or you're going from four stroke fly into easy free until you turn at the other end, touch with two hands, push off and then go four strokes fly again back into freestyle. 
So whenever they're performing that stroke, they're doing it with better habits. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and yeah, uh, differentiate accordingly if you've got the space with the athletes you've got. But remember that still, uh, technique is a priority over um, the physiology. Well, we move on now to something that I think is one of the most important, which is that age group championship level. So for, for you and then the swimmers that you've uh, you know, been able to develop, say that Sam Short, uh, Jamie Bayless, Rebecca Jacobson, uh, all of those guys came through you know, that you know, period of time with you. And, and, and in being around you, I know that whilst you guys worked hard, you weren't necessarily flogging them. So, but you know, Sam was still going out there and, and knocking off Queensland records. So definitely still you know the the output was was what you're after but you weren't really flogging them in the background how important is this time of you know where they're 14 15 16 you're bringing them through it's easy to get super excited about someone and i'll use sam as the example because obviously he at an age group level is beating you know knocking off grant hackett mac horton's records it's easy to get excited but i know in watching how you you know worked with him you were tempered in in the way you did that program is that how you see it no, yeah, definitely. Um, it's funny because when I first started at Albany Creek, um, I inherited an open water swimmer in Josh Richardson, and I, you know, my knowledge in distance swimming at that time was, um, yeah, was terrible. Obviously, because I just hadn't worked with distance swimmers, and um, I didn't know whether Josh would stay. There was a few other distance guys there, and and some moved on, and and I can understand why. And and, and you know, like with Josh, I had to learn. Uh, talk to people, coaches that uh, had had experience in that field. And, and then uh, you learn from watching your athlete, you know, what they're capable of. Um, and then obviously uh, with the younger guys that were coming through, I think the important thing, yeah, is you obviously, number one is how many times they train. So, you, you know, you, they, they've got to you've got to remember that if they're 14 or 15, you're hoping they're still going to be around in their late teens and early twenties. Um, that at what point are they going to be, are you going to open things up to a full schedule mm. and you don't want to do that too early. So Sam was only doing well, seven sessions a week, which included sometimes maybe six of those were in the water uh, or a couple were gym swim. If we're going back a few years now, but he, he was only, only this year, actually, um, as we prepared for nationals, which obviously didn't go ahead, did we start to touch on maybe a few weeks here and there of 60, maybe even 65K. But most of the time, we were, we were, we were touching on 50 um, and, uh, uh, two years ago. Um, and, and, and lucky if he was doing, and most of his main sets were 3 to 4K. Um, so yeah, he, he certainly wasn't doing he wasn't doing too much. He was doing more than he'd done, and you just, you've got to make sure that progressive overload is obviously there. Yeah. Um, and then just challenging him more with the sets that you're giving him. But um, no, I, I certainly never opened him up to uh, too much volume, and I, I felt like he was getting success anyway on what he was doing. So I didn't need to change things too much. I feel like. Maybe if I wasn't getting the steps forward that I felt like we should have got, then I would have considered adding a session or um, uh, increasing the amount that we did within the sessions he was doing. But he was progressing nicely. 
Um, and I, again, I'm with someone like Sam, very coachable athlete. But uh, as, as quite a lot of the guys in my squad, um, I have to say, were now, I guess. It's my last day tomorrow at Albany Creek. But the, um, yeah, the, even the guys in my 100, 200 group, they, we would have been 35 to 40K, more 40, I guess, than the last year or two. Um, and sometimes getting closer to 45. But I'd say on an average, it would be about 40 kilometers a week. Mm. Uh, for those 200 guys and 100 guys. Yeah, so certainly um, it, it just means that they've got room to still go, and that's yeah. important. As, and, I'm, and that's one thing I'm looking forward to with all my guys, even though I won't be coaching a lot of them now, is um, I know that they haven't done too much too early. Yeah. Well, it brings me to the sort of that last group in terms of the athlete development program and where we want them to end up, which is, you know, those older athletes around 20, 21, 22. And I know you still uh, had a few with you. Um, now you're moving on, but you do have a few with you. How important is it to make sure as they're getting older and around that sort of, um, you know, becoming young men and young women, how important is it as a coach to make sure we're aware of that? And then we need to look at how we're, talking to our athletes, how we're, you know, approaching their weekly schedules in terms of recovery and things like that as they're getting older. How important is that? Oh yeah, very important. Like number one with an older athlete is um you gotta you gotta make sure they're happy. Or you gotta try and help them with thing the balance of uh university, uh work, um and 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 social life that they have. You've got to you're talking to them a lot about what's happened externally as opposed to what's happening actually at the pool because that um, a happy athlete, obviously, away from the pool, they're going to be much happier when they're at the pool. Not easy when um, they're juggling university and they're, they're trying to earn an income as well. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's, that's the first priority. Number two, obviously, yeah, when they pr progress from yeah, uh, an age group swimmer to a, a senior athlete is their body changes. Um, they're, they're, like you said, the recovery between sessions, um, the, the physio um, sessions that they were having, the recovery, just going in the gym, stretching off, uh, the sleep that they were trying to get, all these things, um, definitely all, uh, it's just a much a much bigger focus on the holistic approach at that senior level um, and talking to them as an adult and not as an age grouper, um, which, yeah, I mean, yeah, I've been fortunate to work with some really mature kids um, as they've grown up. Um, and, um, yeah, you listen. You listen a lot more, as you would have heard, and coaches would know this anyway. You, it, it's... Um, it's not so much, it's still coach driven, but you, you definitely um, take on board a lot more and you listen a lot more and um, you try and, and give them a little bit more autonomy in, in, in um, how they feel things are being done so, uh, to try and get the, you know, the best results and listen to their feedback. You know, with Jack Mankey, wow, like Jack was a very, very, uh, very tough kid, tough trainer very academic as you know very mm. clever um, and I actually um, you know, I, I enjoyed listening to what he had to say his thoughts his feedback on sets uh, what you know and it was good to get his feedback I, I had no problem in listening to his thoughts on things and if it could make it if things could be improved upon um, and, and it gave him more buy into what we were doing uh, then why wouldn't I 
consider, you know, um, what, what he had to say. And I feel like that, that process is definitely something I've learned. I haven't worked with, certainly haven't had success compared to a lot of the coaches you've spoken to on here, mate, at a senior level. Yeah. That, they, that I've been happy with the progress they've made, but obviously um, I'd love to see more success at a senior level with kids. And, um, and I'm, you know, I'm looking forward to the next step in my career. Obviously, when I go to St. Peter's and and, and looking uh, at the the elite athletes there that are coached by Dean, watching how how they work, how they train, how Dean does things, uh, and and then obviously taking things from him. Now, you mentioned there in terms of um, feedback and then talking a little bit more with the athletes as they get older and certainly something that I've noticed through my podcast and talking to the, you know, the athletes on the Australian team is how much, you know, you know, more input they have into their program with their coaches. As you said, I've had a few actually, you know, say to me that they had to say to their coach at some point, now listen, you need to talk to me as an adult because I'm getting older now and you can't just keep shouting at me like I'm 12 year old bouncing off the bottom of the pool. Yeah. Um, you know, how important is that to, to recognize? And I guess the question I wanted to get to, which I've just remembered now how much do you think at that level have we become more mentors rather than coaches? Almost like a Wayne Bennett in terms of rugby league where, you know, he's probably not involved as much in the little intricacies of the week, but certainly when it comes to switching their mind on, getting them mentally ready, mentally prepared, all that sort of stuff. Oh, well, yeah. No, I think it's a huge part as they get older. Um, you know, you'd hope that the, at, a, at an older level, if they're in it for the right reasons, you shouldn't have to do too much motivation. Otherwise, they're, you've got to have the conversation with them as to why they're still doing it. Uh, particularly, um, you know, if they're trying to balance things, um, you know, with work and with study, you, you'll soon see whether or not they, they really are still focused or whether they... they they're starting to, you know, you, you'll get patterns of behavior that start to come through and, and you'll see whether or not that they're still committed. But you, you can tell when something's not quite right when you know your athlete. And so you'll just, you know, you'll have a chat. You've got to choose your moments when to know, know, know your personality. Mm. Um, but yeah, no, you're right with Wayne, the way Wayne Bennett does things. Um, it, it is a different, it does, the relationship definitely changes. So you just have a lot more, a lot more, mature conversations um about about things away from the pool and and if there's anything that i can do as a coach to make life easier and make them happier if i can do it um then i can but more often than not it's just providing them with advice to try and you know and then see if they can fix things away from the pool but yeah from a coaching perspective that actually becomes other than feedback that you you know I like to get from uh, with sets, yeah, the coaching side of it just becomes easier. It's the managing, yeah, as you say, that you that um, takes up more of your time. And talk to me about sessions and a number of sessions per week. So we've talked now about the development program itself from when they first jump into to at the end. Um, say from that eight to. 11 years of age you know how, how often should you be seeing a swimmer come to the pool or does it depend on what level they're at yeah i really yeah definitely go to that last part um i think some kids i mean at eight and nine you know, i really think you should only be seeing them three three eight eight years of age three times a week do we need to see them any more than that 
Um, I think three times a week's enough to, to be able to get some, um, to be able to improve technically. If you only come in once a week, you're basically repeating behavior, uh, repeating, um, what you did the, the previous week. Yeah. Uh, if you do three, um, two or three sessions a week, you can obviously teach them something and not have to keep repeating things. Um, not what well, you will, and obviously to improve technique, but just, um, it's not relearning all the time. Um, yeah, a, a nine year old, again, three times, three times a week. It depends how long the sessions are as well. Mm. If, you only, if you know, three times one hour is, is I think it's perfectly suffice. Um, Nothing wrong with three, three or four times forty-five minute sessions a week. You know, um, once they, once they get to, um, you know, ten years of age and eleven years of age, uh, like my junior beginner squad at Albany Creek, they were doing an hour with Callum, and that was um, kids that were aged from eight to nine years of age, generally, maybe a few ten-year-olds. Then they progress, and they would be doing three to four sessions a week. The junior advanced, they were doing an hour and fifteen. Um, and that would be maybe, maybe the youngest would be nine, but probably 10 year olds there more so. Mm. Um, and then they go to Matt in the intermediate squad and they would be doing, they would then start doing an hour and a half, but they weren't doing an hour and a half of constant swimming up and down. It was smart. It was, um, and if you do it, if you, if you extend the time, uh, to an hour and a half, they only really need to still come three times a week. Yeah, that's four and a half hours a week. Um, and again, we haven't touched on the time of the year in the winter. Um, I know leisure centers would love to see kids still coming in. Um, and I think that's, that's, you know, for the dollar bill, which I understand. But if we're just talking about longevity in the sport, that's when we want to see kids do other sports, you know, to improve their general athleticism. Um, and they need to do other sports. And that research has proven that it's, that it's beneficial for kids to do other sports. Um, so ultimately, if they specialize in swimming one day, a, a lot of those guys that, that do end up being more successful did do a number of other sports when they were younger. They didn't chase the black line. And you often hear parents say, oh, yeah, but my kid loves it. Well, of course they do. They're only 10. They love coming chasing the black line. It is fun. Um, but they forget that in six years from you now, when they're 16, if they have been exposed to too much too early, that's when it's going to, then you're going to see the burnout. So you hit the nail um, on I, the head. I was just about to ask, how important is it that we guide the parents down that avenue in terms of when you're giving the information out for your program, instead of, you know, just saying, you know, this is your mini squad, your bronze squad, whatever, and then they can book into how many they want. How important is it to guide as a recommendation, um, you know, how many sessions those guys should be doing. Try and relate it to the same principle as injury prevention, mate. Why do we do injury prevention? All right, to stop someone getting injured. Why do we do burnout prevention? Let's call it that. Yeah. To prevent burnout. All right. And the key uh, problems with injury um, is that we expose them to too much with the wrong technique for too long. And then they end up having to visit the physio and the parents get fr frustrated. The swimmer gets frustrated. It costs an arm and a leg. Um, we need to be mindful. The psychology is so important. So, of course, we've got kids enjoying it when they're 10 and we want that. But we need to keep that. So when a parent says how much their kid is loving it, say, good, let's keep that and not uh, and be mindful 
and use our experience as coaches to say that we've seen it. I've made mistakes when I was coaching when I first started. I had kids doing too much. I got too excited too early with young kids. I look like a right um, muppet um, <laughs> getting carried away on the side of the pool with a nine or a ten year old doing well at a junior meet. And of course, it's nice to see a kid succeed, but um, we don't need to get too carried away and we've got to think about the future. Right. Now let's talk about us as coaches. How important is professional development? Now, I must admit this was something that I probably wasn't great at until I met you. And then, uh, you know, you really enforced upon me, not to, that I had to do it, but just the importance of doing it. I really did understand. And the whole idea of doing these podcasts and talking to people is about professional development for me. And I love it now. How important is it that we as coaches are seeking out you know, more information, different information, not just to, you know, stick in our own heads. Oh yeah, what we think is right, but also looking out to see if we can, you know, disprove what we believe to, it will either confirm or it will make us think slightly differently. Yeah. Um, why wouldn't we seek professional development? Question mark. Why, why wouldn't we? Yeah. And, um, and I made the, I, I, when I've, I've always loved learning and the learning side of things definitely outweighed the experience that I had for the first 10 years of the coaching that I did in Australia. And, um, and that was great um, in terms of where I am now because I've had, been fortunate to have some great athletes uh, come through the program. Um, so that my experience now and my, um, you know, combine that with my quals and my professional development, I would say I'm now at a 60-40 or a 65-35 ratio of, with, my, with my experience and my, and my um, quals and, you know, the PD. Whereas when I first started, it was definitely 90-10. Um, you know, 80, 20 of um, just I've got things on paper, but I didn't, I did, that's no substitute for experience on pool deck. And then recognizing early that I needed to get out there and learn, I went after the mentors. You know, I, and people joke with me. I know Michael Ball. I got introduced to him. I'm surprised that um, the police didn't knock on my door. Foley didn't get a stalking, um, you know, whatever it's called on me because I was um, but basically trying to get organized a coffee with him all the time because I just wanted to listen to, to advice from him. Um, and he was ex uh, so accommodating and he still is to this day. Um, and I think we're very fortunate with uh, the job that Drew McGregor does in, in Swimming Queensland is just phenomenal with PD. And with any with so much workshop uh, opportunities, um, it's just it's it's there on a tap for those that want it. And I think you you do get to a point. I mean, I still read a lot. I talk to coaches a lot, and I think now I I I, I need to be more selective on the areas that I I want to work on and learn more in. It's not so much of a holistic um, need because. I'm not, you know, I've learned things in the last 17 years, you know, um, but I, there, there are still, I, I, like I say, like there's people out there that send me lots of stuff to look at um, and, I, and I, do, I still make phone calls to people fairly regularly to ask questions about things, but 
hey, if we're going to continue to grow, mate, there's, the worst thing we can do is remain stagnant. Mm. If, if, if we, if, just because we may have had a successful meet, if we keep doing things the same way, it doesn't mean that we're going to keep getting them. And, and again, I'm, I'm talking from someone that still doesn't have a lot of experience compared to many out there. Um, and uh, I, I'm just going on and my own personal opinion on that. Like if I keep doing what I've done before, I might get away with it for a while. So I need to learn, keep listening, find new ways. Uh, Vince Rally gave me great advice recently on the national event camp, the distance camp. You know, you don't need to change lots when you see different coaches and, and see how they do things, but you might take 5% or 7% of what you see um, and, and add that to what you already do, you know? And, mm. and, and I think that was really important. And I like the fact that he actually said as well that don't just have mentors that are friends of yours and that are going to tell you what you want to hear and fluff your pillows. Find people that you know are actually going to tell you what you don't want to hear yeah. because that's going to help you grow as well. And we shouldn't be frightened of that. That was going to be, you've led me straight to it. My next question, how important is it when you're finding mentors <clears throat> to find the ones that are going to you know, challenge you? And I, I go back to, in my mind, when I was working with you and I would set up this camp, and I invited Brant Best to come along. And uh, we just before the session started, uh, he said, all right, give us a look. What are we doing? And I, he was reading the program that I'd written. And he said, uh, what are we doing? I said, speed. He said, we're doing speed. I said, yeah, we're doing speed. He goes, well, this isn't speed. <laughs> so, uh, okay, then let's uh, sit down. So we had 10 minutes. We sat down and we rejigged the whole thing. And, and we came up with a completely different way of doing it. But in that moment, I mean, it, it would have been easy for me to um, definitely, you know, take a step back and be offended or go, well, this is what I think it is. So, you know, this is what it is. I was very open. And, and as I said, you, you helped me with that in terms of just making sure I didn't, you know, I was very open in terms of learning. How important is it to, as you said, seek out mentors, but ones that are going to challenge you. And then when they do challenge you to take it on the chin and try and learn from it rather than sort of get offended. Cause as coaches, we, you know, we, sometimes we can get offended quite easily. Can't we? If someone says something about our program or something about what we're doing, we're very quick to, to bite back. Mate, most of us, if not all of us, we're in the coaching industry. We've all got an ego, haven't we? Yeah. Um, and I know my ego got well ahead of me in my younger years. And I cringe at some of the workshops and things that I came out with because of the, as I said, 90-10 ratio of, of having some quals on the board. So Richard, young Richard thought he knew everything. And I, I would have, I'd slap myself around the back of the, the head now if I was able to go back. Um, but again, it's lessons that we learn, isn't it? And and that's the thing. I was all, I've always um, always wanted to learn. But mate, it, it's we don't know what we don't know until we meet someone like a brand, or we go on a camp and we're exposed to coaches who we suddenly listen to them talk and listen to them coach, and and you suddenly go, wow, it, it what an eye opener, you know? Like it, I really do not know much at all and and um and, and and you know how often are we lucky enough to get people or get the time that's the hard part to get away from our own job and get some you know go and visit a program mm. um maybe ask them if you can take a, a small component if it's someone you get on with can you just watch me give me some feedback 
because we've got an ego, we are protective at times. We, but we don't want to hear that we're doing something wrong. Um, and some of us are a bit more sensitive to that. Um, but you know what? I look back on, and I, I mean, I was a PE teacher before I was a coach. And one of the best mentors I've ever, I had two mentors before coaching that just gave it to me. And at the time, there were times where, wow, you know, I had to really bite my top lip and, um, and not say, you know, well, I probably did say things I shouldn't at the time, but, <laughs> and we argued, but yeah, a, a guy in my fourth year teaching practice when I worked in inner London, who was just phenomenal. Uh, such a motivator and just amazing with the kids and um, inspired me. Uh, my first job at a grammar school, the director of sport, the head of PE was just phenomenal. Um, a tough old boot, so thick skinned. And um, yeah, he, he had a lot of fun nurturing a young Richard. Um, but I look back and, uh, and um, I actually got his number recently. I want to give him a call and thank him because I wouldn't be where I am, you know, today, which, yeah, I'm proud of where I am. I've still got a long way to go, but I would love to thank him for what he's done. And then the mentors I've had over here that I've sought after. And, you know, like I worked with Doug Frost for a long time and, um, and he, he, he's, he's been fantastic. You know, he's, he challenges you and that's what we need. He'll certainly tell you if he doesn't like something. Um, and you know what it, it does because you do think about it when they go away you keep thinking about things and points that they raise Brant Best has been a huge um, positive impact over the last few years um, he you know he, he's um, instilled a lot of confidence in me but also you know been very open and given me some great constructive feedback um, uh, and, and yeah just coaching just Look, Queensland's just got such. I, I, I consider a lot of the coaches here mates, and we talk about what we do all the time, mm. and ask and get opinions on sets, and and they come back with I do it this way and that way. So I, I, I pestered people all my life, Rob, with text messages and sets that I've done, just because I love to get people's feedback. Yeah. In keeping with the theme, mate, of coaches, how important is it to have the right coaching team around you in your program? You've been fortunate enough. I want to, you know, big note myself, but to have some pretty, uh, pretty good assistant coaches at Albany Creek. Um, but how important is it in all, you know, seriousness though, to have the right team around you, to have the right balance, to have the trust in the people around you that they're driving in the same direction that you are? Uh, huge. And, I, and as you say, I have been very fortunate. Um, I, I've, I've, I go back to the days when I had... Um, you know, Mick Lewandowski, um, so, so keen, um, so passionate. Um, he, he was, he challenged me in terms of questions all the time with the sets and, and that was great. I love, I love, you know, people that you work with, uh, that ask you questions. They want to learn because it keeps me on my toes to find that, you know, to challenge my own thought process. Um, I had Winnie, you know, who, uh, when Paulus took the job over here, uh, leading Swimming Queensland, um, she worked as my assistant and wow, what a woman, you know, such a strong character and uh, so much knowledge, you know, like I learned a lot from her and that's, I don't think there's, you know, like I was in a position where Winnie didn't want a high performance role. I mean, she, she, she could, she had the knowledge to do that, 
So she did, she was happy to work as an assistant and I was fortunate that she came on board next to me. So I was very lucky to be able to learn, learn some things from my assistant coach. Um, and I'm sure, you know, just there were little things here and there that she would have picked up from me. Um, but yeah, um, then obviously, um, yourself that came on and, um, you know, I knew that you were very, very keen, uh, to learn. And, and, and we, you know, we, how often did we used to go and eat the wrong food and that's why we sit at quite a healthy weight these days. But uh, that was all, uh, but the reason we, we, we were at that weight, Rob, is because we just enjoyed chatting about mm -hmm. swimming, didn't we? <laughs> so we used to go and talk and talk and talk and, and that, that was great. And I loved it because you loved it and you got excited and I got excited and, and Andre as well. That's obviously been working with me. Uh, the same thing, very passionate. Um, I've, yeah. I've, I, I, and, and the junior coaches as well over the years have, have all been great. They've, they've all, you know, the parents don't see it, but they've all asked me lots of questions. I've given them lots of resources to help them. So, yeah, you want a culture. You, it's all about culture, not the culture, not just the team, the, the swimming culture you create, but obviously the team culture with your coaches, um, your committees, and, and hopefully you've got people that in the management and your, the uh, the club that, that are supportive as well. But yeah, mate, I wouldn't be where I've got to without the all the coaches over the years that I've worked with right the way. And let's not forget uh, learn to swim coaches as well that have, in the time that I've been there that have come through um, and one or two that may have touched my program but they've gone into the state squad we need to thank those coaches as well for what they've done with the kids at a younger younger age now mate listen I get in trouble from you a lot and a few of the other mates in terms of when I'm doing podcasts and I don't ask enough specific questions you guys say about the programs or about sets or, or things like that. So there are going to be coaches out there from many different countries who are going to listen to this and they're going to be, you know, wondering about maybe their do you, own. Do you actually think that, Rob? I reckon quite a few have turned off already. No, I don't know. Oh, please, mate. They are <laughs> loving it. We're, we're, <laughs> the views would be going right up. Um, so yeah, let's I'm, talk about program specific. And, and I know in being, as I said, with your program for a year and a half, I know how well balanced, say that senior program was. Give us a run through, you know, of your typical week in terms of Monday to Saturday in that, um, you know, national squad program. What would your week look like through there? Um, yeah, well, Monday mornings was always, um, speed and then, you know, as you've had when you came up, you mentioned Brant, what type of speed. So I, I used to divide my two groups up. So I'd divide my group, sorry, into two groups. I'd have a, uh, a group that was really focusing on um, that sort of 50 meter speed. Um, so lots of top end speed. Some of it, it was just a generalized approach. They're just fast swimming. Um, it could be <clears throat> like that element of pure speed where you're just swimming fast from between zero and 12 seconds, which was something that Paul has talked about, but then obviously, um, progressing that and, and doing stuff, uh, between 20 and 25 seconds, um, which I used to call like anaerobic capacity one, as you know, I kind of mm -hmm. divided things up and only, only because I just made it a bit simpler in my head. If it was 20 to 25 all right that's ANC1 if it was 25 to 30 maybe ANC2 but then 
I, you know, so I'd, I'd, I'd mess around with that. Um, and then um, but as, as the season progressed, it would become more specific in terms of um, top end, front end goals, you know, for the 100 meter event. Or, but the, the, the distance guys in my group that were two, they would only come down to the two, but were 400 and, and up. I would do a 200 set. I know some coaches would think that's strange to do a little bit of that on a Monday morning, but I actually, because of the pool configuration with the 50-meter pool, um, I did it with the, some of my open guys getting ready for Com Games trials and just wanted to use the 50s, so did some quality in the morning. And actually, it did a good job. Mm. So I just stuck with it. Um, and uh, I actually found on the whole that I got some good swimming in the morning. So we did our aerobic set then on a Monday night. Um, and everybody did an aerobic set. Obviously, the uh, 200 guys down did a different set to the uh, 400 guys up. But um, that was always aerobic capacity. Tuesday morning now. Wait there, wait there. Let's go back. Hang on a second. So let you differentiate with, the, with that aerobic set, depending yeah. on if they're 200 and uh, 150 swimmers do something different. Explain what you mean by that. Why are they swimming it different, and what are they doing that's different? Well, look. So I made mistakes of giving uh, 200 guys down, putting them in what I consider uh, the, red, the red zone. So I, I like my light blue is easy aerobic. My dark, in my brain, this is. Um, <laughs> I know that's, is it John or Banchet that came up with all the colors? I certainly don't do all that with my programming, but in my head, I think of a wall. Um, and when you spray that wall with different colors, I think I talked to you about this back in the day. How much, how much of your wall, if that's your week, is sprayed red and how much a dark red, light red. So like dark red being really intense, light red being obviously not as intense, dark blue being more aerobic, light blue being light aerobic. I just, and I know that with my 200 down at times, I, I, particularly when I was less experienced, I was just smashing them, you know, like putting them in the, in the I would say, the light red. Uh, or a dark red at times because they're more anaerobic in nature. Um, and then taking away their energy and their speed for the quality sets that I had during the week, which was the worst thing that I could do. Mm. So I soon realized that when I was asking athletes what their RPE was for every session, they'd probably tell you it was eight, nine, or 10. And that's the worst thing you can do. So I, I guess, again, with experience uh, and with the help of some great mentors, um, you, you, you realize that, you know what, my 100, 200 guys are going to do a light blue session today, so they're going to swim at 4, 5, and 6 RPE yeah, most of the time uh, and, uh, and descending RPE 4 to RPE 6, and that's out of 10, 10 being extremely hard. Um, and I, look, I've got into RPE in the last six to eight months, and it's just something that I've worked with and my athletes and I got used to, and that's why I use it. But RPE would... You're looking at A1 and A2 swimming, all right? Um, if you've got more of an aerobic type of swimmer at that two, maybe does the four, then I descend to A3. Um, your distance swimmers, you'd be descending to threshold and spending more time at threshold, depending on the time of the year and the block that you're in. You understand? Yeah. Uh, because that's bread and butter for them. You know, it doesn't break them down. So... And again, you then work out with the individual how much of the threshold uh, that, that you can give them um, as you progress through. But you know, you'd only be looking. I did go mainly 3K sets with my 200 guys down. Now and again, I go above that. Um, but generally, I'd say I average 3K sets for most of the prep. 
and obviously my distance guys, I could get up to five or six K with some of the main sets that we did there. Um, but yeah, that was, that was the Monday afternoons, mate. And obviously mm. progressed through. Uh, and then once you obviously, when you get to the back end, uh, or you get into your sort of your race, race phase, uh, before a major meet, um, you back off with the intensity of the aerobic. It just becomes maintenance, mm-hmm. uh, because your focus again is still on that race pace, the days that you do your race pace stuff. Uh, Tuesday morning was always, I ended up predominantly doing big kick sets, um, huge on kick because of Doug Frost influence and yeah, get up to 2.4, sometimes even more K of kick on that day. But I soon realized actually, and I learned this from Vince Raleigh that a lot of my, I did do a couple of big kick sets during the week, but actually my, my weekly volume for kick still wasn't, wasn't enough. Yeah. So um, I've definitely um, added a lot more kick to my week, you know, whether it's part of the warm-up or part of the cool-downs. Um, I'm definitely averaging more. Tuesday nights was always more easier swimming, efficiency-orientated or skill-orientated. Um, um, my distance guys would just do um, a lighter a1 rpe2 um so keep their volume ticking over but it was technique uh swimming uh at, yeah so just easy swimming and also a little bit of a prep set to spike them ready for the following morning which was always a big set as you know on a wednesday morning mm-hmm. so the, the, my distance guys did 1500 meter work on a wednesday morning so i do a prep set at the end of a tuesday night set to get them ready with that you know, like just some simple stuff over short distances, just checking their efficiency. And then obviously carrying on with that on the Wednesday morning. Uh, the same with my 200 guys. We do a little bit of 200 prep work as a setup set ready for Wednesday morning when we did the 200 set with them. So I had two groups on a Wednesday morning, long course. Um, and my assistant would always help with that. You know, as you remember, you might get the 200 group or you might get the distance group. I would write the program and then off we go. Sometimes, as you know, I, I kind of just go with the flow, which might have frustrated my assistants, kept them on their toes. Uh, but no, it was just sort of, I guess, I just got a feel for where they were at and what we needed to do. Uh, Wednesday afternoon, was just they just came in and did a gym session, no swim, with, um, with the strength and conditioning guy. I, I didn't come to that. I, I, I thought it was important to give the kids a break from me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Thursday morning was kick and pull. And again, I split that up into a distance and then a 200 down set, a big pool set for my distance guys. And I learned uh, they really enjoyed doing the big pool sets. Um, Thursday night was another, same as Tuesday, um, low intensity to get them ready um, and freshen them up ready for Friday morning. Friday morning was always uh, the, the 400 and up went a 400 set. And um, the 100, 200 guys would do a, uh, it would either be a 200 back end set or a 100 back end speed set, you know, end of the week, back end of the week, depending on what phase we were in. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Friday night was off. And then Saturday morning would generally actually be more of a, I actually ended up more of a combination set. It was more aerobic with, I touched on some pace over very short distances certainly not enough to um, to fatigue them and i found then that they had saturday and sunday to recover before we um we went back into the start of the next week again 
and they did gym after training on Saturday morning. And you've always found that's pretty well balanced. I mean, as this, we've been talking about recently and, and I've sort of carried on that sort of a program, but had a slightly different approach just based off my um, circumstances with not probably having the, the right um, team around me. And especially at the moment um, during COVID-19 where certain coaches can't even get on deck because, you know, your bosses won't let them. So you're kind of stuck on your own a little bit. So how important is yeah. it? To, obviously that works for you. But as coaches out there that are listening to this, to differentiate though and go, okay, well, that might work for him, but he had two or three coaches around him definitely on deck helping make that happen. So I like his idea, but I've got to taper it to sort of my own approach as well and what works. No, well, mate, well, you have to take, number one, I had to look at number one, like, yeah, configuration through the week. Um, number two, um, you just start, I just had to look at the guy, yeah, you've got to look at the cap the cattle that you've got in front of you. So I just knew there was no point really in doing 50 meter work with Sam Shaw on a Monday morning. Mm. Um, and therefore I, that's why I started with, well, what, what speed shall I work with? Don't get me wrong. You know, some of the 200 sets would still include some, uh, fifties, uh, uh, um, you know, maybe a hundred uh, back end for the hundred. Yeah. So we, we'd still include the speed that was important for his two, uh, but two, but so, yeah, the hundred and the two, but it was predominantly around the two. Uh, he, he just didn't need to do 35s and 25s at, uh, at top end in front end for the hundred. That's my opinion. All yeah. right. Uh, the coaches might differ and that's fine because there's a million ways to do things. But, um, and then on the, the reason I, I ended up doing the 1500 and uh, 800 sets on a Wednesday morning was it actually the, I, I just started doing it and the kids gave me great feedback. They enjoyed doing it in the middle of the week. Um, I had plenty of space in the 50 to set it up that way. And then the other guys did the 200, but in theory, and I'm actually going to do this when I move on now, I, I prefer to start the week with the fastest event when they're fresher. Yep. And then the next, the next event that they do when they're, you know, in theory, when they're starting to get a bit more fatigued, you know, in the middle of the week. Mm -hmm. And then you go to what can you get out of them at the end of the week? Yeah. So, I, I, you know, common sense wise, if, if you want that for me, I'd, I'd, I'd actually go, you know, more than 50 for the 50, 100 and 200 swimmer than the 100 in the middle of the week and then the 200, you know, towards the back end of the week somewhere. Mm -hmm. Um but again, that's, that's, that's just what I do. Um, and I've had some success with it, but it certainly doesn't mean it's the right answer. And there's plenty of other coaches who've had a lot more experience that would do a, a different way, um, which is great because I like, I like listening to those people. And, and I'm sure whatever I've got in place at the moment will evolve even more over time. You know, mm -hmm. It's just something that's worked and I got very comfortable with and felt confident in Rob. That's important. Whether it's right or wrong, I just felt very confident with it, and so did my athletes. So, you know, and, and, and uh, that's really important. Right, I'm going to take another leaf out of your book now and ask you about some, some sets, some programs. Now, I know for the 1500, because I used to get to, to well, I was very fortunate enough that you'd give me the 1500 set more often than not. And I used to be able to work with Sam and, and a few of the other boys, Lockie Blake, and it was, it was fantastic because you could just rev them up and they're just ready to go every time that they were ready to, to smash it. What are some of your favorite yeah. 1500 sets? Oh, ho, ho. um, 
Hey, good question. Um, I, I like, so I have to, I'll have to take a set which I haven't designed. Well, I, I've just manipulated. Sometimes we see sets we manipulate. So I know Dennis used to love um, doing a set which was a 50, a 150, a 100, a 200 and do that six times mm -hmm. on a base. Um, and, he, and I saw him do that on an event camp and asked them to try and hold a pace um, and that would be on the, on the camp. It was a 50 second base. So the 50 was on 50, the 150 was on 230, the 100 was on 140, and the 200 was on 320. Lots of rest after the 200. But your goal would be to try and swim, um, you know, at, at, you know, trying to hold close to race pace for the 15. Yeah. So you got double race distance, you know, and that's a Michael Bowl thing. Mm -hmm. um, loves double. I remember him talking about double race distance, and I try to think about that in terms of when I design sets. But um, I, I and I watched swimmers holding race pace for that set, and it just gave me a few ideas on on what I could do with that set. Um, you know, do it six times um, early season. You, you know, you're fifty, but can you? Go, you could obviously go the fifty at pace because it's only a fifty. Um, do you do the? To do the 150 at, at, at pace plus, the 100 at pace plus, and the 200 at pace plus. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then the second set, um, you would descend it. So you descend sets one to three, sets four to six from pace plus um, down to pace on sets three and six. Uh, if it's really early season, it's still pace plus. Um, or is it you're not doing pace, you're just doing it from uh, some coaches will just go, well, we're going threshold or we're going A3 threshold, via, you know, and VO2 and use those m modes of um, physiology. Um, but I, I do like that set because I think you can really manipulate that as you go through. And when they get really fit, you know, you can go two sets at pace. Mm. Um, and I like to then set three, I like to go to the 200 at pace the 150 at faster than pace, the 100 at faster than pace again, and then open up on the 50 yeah. uh, and, and manipulate the cycle. So you're really asking them. It gets tough. Um, yeah, you can obviously change the base to make it more demanding, but still get them to swim at pace. It's up to the coach yeah, to be as creative as they want. Um, I, like to do, um, I like to do sets where they would go like a, a 100 on 130, at pace so let's say um, they've got to go 104 right that's their goal pace and they're good they're in pretty good shape now um, and they go 104 on 130 and then they've got to go 104 on 125 and then 104 on 120 and then 104 on 115 and then 104 on 120 and then 104 on 125 and then 104 on 130 Mm. And then uh, you might swim that off um, a 200 and go through that three times, you know? Yeah. So you're, 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 chat, you're, you're swimming lots of pace at 104, but you're obviously getting more rest and then less rest. And it's a good way of then building into just holding pace on less rest. Eventually, when you're down on 115 cycle for all of them, again, it depends on how you want to do things. But um, yeah, I, I, I like doing that um, as you get closer um, to, to, towards the major meet. The standard 31s on 130 or on 120, holding your, you know, trying to hold uh, race pace gives you a yeah. good indication. That's a good test set. I know some coaches in the past used to use that every week, but um, 
uh, I try and I try to, to to mix it up a little bit and just repeat that now and again. It certainly gives the swimmer more confidence. Um, what else did I like to do? Um, obviously, if they're pretty fit, one hundred and fifties. Yep. Yeah, there because obviously you can you can manipulate that. Uh, there's so many ways, Rob. That's why I like it, you know. And again, it depends on the phase. Four one fifties at pace plus three at one fifties at uh, closer to goal race pace two. Um, I it, again, depending on where they're at, uh, pace plus and then one at pace, or is it four at pace plus three at pace two at faster than pace, which is cha- challenging, and then one open right up. You know, so you're actually uh, getting progressive overload that way. Sometimes I know I've been asked, you know, it, 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 you're just swimming at pace. What about creating that overload um, and that, you know, going quicker than pace? So I, I, I definitely finish sets off by going faster than pace more than I used to now. Yep. You know what I mean? I, th- I think with you, you would have seen just lots of, 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 of distances you know, above and at and sometimes below, but I definitely go a bit more below when I can and when I feel they're ready for it. But, hey, mate, that, that's, that's, that's some, you know, we could talk all day about sets. And, I was just um, about to say, we could talk all day. Uh, you know, I remember when you came to my house and the footy was on, and, uh, and I love my footy, as you know, but even halfway through the footy game, we end up at the table going, with a pen and paper writing out different programs and coming out with different ways to go. So we, I, know, I definitely know we can talk about sets all day, so I don't want to go in the four and the two. Give everybody, yeah. I guess, the other spectrum. What, what about a hundred sets, say a back end for the hundred? What would you be looking yeah, at? Yeah, well, as, again, you know, like France has been good with this, but you, you, I think... You could you could do sets where you're just early season and you know that you can't hit a top end front end goal off a speed chart, for example. Uh, a back end segment is more re- realistic, and depending on whether you want to be general early on, uh, or you actually want to link it to the speed chart and go, you know what, your goal time is to go 60 on your 100 free. Well, push a 50 to the 85. Uh, this is your goal back end target for 50 to the 85. Um, why don't we? Why don't we see if you can push that at the moment and, and do so? And just do a fifty to the eighty-five at that time, and then swim off back to the starting point again. Um, I, you know, but I, I would start with a fifty to the seventy-five first. Swim that off, maybe seventy-five, then a fifty to the eighty-five. All right, yeah, that's your target, and maybe get. I'd like to get some rates on that. I've got better with that. At, because I want to build their efficiency, as you know. Mm. I call my first phase stroke rate awareness as opposed yeah. to general preparation phase now, like teaching them rates over uh, race distances that are achievable. Um, and then over time, you obviously increase the stress, but hopefully still um, they're able to maintain the efficiency that you've discussed is what, you know, you know your athlete, what rates they need to swim at in order to hopefully achieve their desired goal time at mm. a major meet, you understand? Yeah. And then, and then go and then start creating because back end needs front end stress. So dive at 25. Uh, and I'm not too worried about that. I, as long as the front end is at that 25 is easy speed. It's, uh, if you're non-suited, trying to hit a goal front end off the speed chart is very difficult. So make sure you educate your swimmer on that or they're going to get depressed pretty quickly. <laughs> but you yeah. dive at 25, 
fasting controlled, get the rate right. I'm not worried about the time. If they can get the rate right, the time will come when you want it to come. Swim easy through to the 50, and then um, whatever cycle you want to put them on, then push, start linking the back end now. Push a 50 to 75 at goal back end, swim through. Um, and then 100 easy. And repeat that so many times. Push a 50 to 85 once you've done your dive. So dive 25 at goal rate. Goal top end rate for your 100. Swim it through. Push a 35, 50 to 85 at goal back end speed off the chart. And, and I had laminated sheets with all those goal times for each swimmer on. So they knew what they were roughly aiming for. But again... Yes, you give them a time, depending on how you set your set up. Uh, but I get rates where I could as well, so that they could see that they had a, uh, a progression in their stroke rate on that back end, as you want them to build their rate a little bit, obviously, as they come home on their 100. Mm. So you're giving them that information so that they learn. That's not easy. It's not easy. People often ask me that. How the hell do you get rates? Mm. You've got 15, 20 kids. I know some just, it's very difficult. I, I've only had these conversations, and again, it's only my opinion. I think we use the stopwatch too much um, in terms of time. Why don't we forget time um, and focus more on stroke rates and stroke length? We get them to get counts at times um, because they're so used to just time and us shouting out times. Yeah. So build the efficiency. Um, and then start to introduce the time with that and, and still give it now and again, but sell your swimmers on what you're trying to build. And if there's an end goal, while we want to be efficient with the time, let's, let's be patient and get there slowly. You, you understand? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. And, 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 hey, and also with brand neuromuscularly, I've learned a lot about neuromuscular patterning. So try to create sets where you the front, the stress, the fatigue before the back end target that you're aiming for is neuromuscular patterning. It's on the right rate. Um, you're trying to stress them on the right rate um, and then see if they can then come back um, with the right rates under that neuromuscular stress. Do you know what I mean? Mm. I always used to think it was about creating high levels of lactate to then come back. Um, which you're going to have some lactate in your system. Of course you are. But, uh, and I'm still learning. My God, I'm still learning on this and trying to get that right. But um, that's where Brandt's been great. And I see other coaches I've talked to, that neuromuscular, um, you, know, and, you know, when I say neuromuscular, you can tap away on a PlayStation or a keyboard on your, if you like playing games. <laughs> and you tap really fast on the X button. You keep tapping, eventually you're going to start misfiring. Yeah. You know, but if you if you practice firing each day for a short period of time, you should get better at that. Mm-hmm. That's your neuromuscular pattern and that that type of stuff. Sounds fancy, and I'm not fancy. Sounds <laughs> academic, and I'm not. Um, but that's just the term. And now and again, we throw it in there just to sound impressive, don't we? <laughs> Mate, I'm glad you talked about you know feedback and and giving stroke rates because that was something again you definitely helped me on and pushed me to be better. Not just you. The athletes, I remember Jack Mankey would always be, Rob, can you get three rates on this? And I'd be like, bloody hell, Jack, it's three rates. I'm trying to get <laughs> It was three rates. And they're, okay, I'll try my best. Uh, and, and, but it forced me to try and be better. And it forced me to be switched on. And, and absolutely, I think the athletes appreciated it. You know, he'd always come and thank me at the end of the session because he knew how hard that was to try and give him three rates, one at the beginning, one in the middle, one at the end, whilst also, you know, getting everybody else 
you were also very uh, you know influential on making sure I was recording with the iPad and, and giving visual feedback where those sort of swimmers need it because not everybody you know can take that sort of um, you know feedback just verbal. Sometimes they need to see it because you know what I'm saying isn't isn't cutting through. How important is that feedback, whether it be visual, whether it be you know um, you know what we're saying to the swimmers? Yeah, look, it might. Sometimes it doesn't work. Sometimes, excuse my dogs. <laughs> sometimes it's um, they um, the I think like with Jack, he he loved it. He he, as I said to you, he was very clever. Yeah. Um, and he really understood the process and how important rates were for some athletes. Um, you didn't actually need to give them as much information as I gave Jack, you know, because it just went in one ear and it was too much. Um, but you, but I, I, I do believe at times we give in too quickly as well. Oh, no, I can't do that. Oh, that's just too complicated. But I think if you can manage your group and find a way, yes, I was lucky at times. I set my week up so I could get my assistant to help me for the key sets mm. uh, because and I, because you, you've got to give that to your better athletes. I, I do believe that uh, younger athletes at 11, 12, 13 should be taught what a stroke rate is. It's a trainable skill. Yeah. They need to be made aware of it. They need to stand next to the coach when the coach gets a rate and see, how to, see what it means. What is a stroke rate? What does it, yeah, what, what is it? Um, get a kid to swim with a really fast stroke, get that rate and then they and swim really slow. So they just go, okay, I understand that part. And then, and then have some fun in games around swimming uh, fastest 25 with your lowest stroke rate possible. Uh, create games, you know, make them efficient. And again, but it, you need a coach needs to be excited by that process and try and be creative. Um, and then at our level, they, they, of course they need to be familiar and we need to provide that information to them not every single day and not all the time because it will wear them out we've got remember they go to school for two hours uh, sorry they they train with us for two hours go to school all day come back to us for two hours you keep just harboring away at process 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 you're going to drive them nuts mm. and they're going to come away from that and not enjoy it and i know like barry prime i remember him saying to me years ago that he had a couple of sessions a week where he hardly used his stopwatch. The kids just swam up and down. It would obviously be more of a recovery-orientated session. You don't need to be – there's got to be times where we pull away mm. and just let them have a mental break. And then there's got to be times where we're, we're obviously trying to um, give them the information that they need and we feel is warranted. Yeah. Well, mate, listen, we could talk all day, as you know, and quite often... Probably we, have, haven't we? <laughs> quite, often, <laughs> quite often we do, but uh, I think we'll wrap it up there. And firstly, as I said, I want to thank you very much for coming on. You're a busy man. You've got many uh, meetings and people to talk to and things to do, and you've got a lot on your mind. I know, as I said, you're about to go into a, a new venture, which uh, I, I wish you all the best with. But hopefully people uh, you know, have gotten a bit of information out of this and as we know, you know, as coaches, mate, we, we'd listen to an hour and a half. We might not write everything from the hour and a half down, but I definitely know certain bits of information is going to stick with uh, certain people out there. So, mate, thank you very much and, uh, and all the best with your new gig at St. Peter's Western next week.
Yeah, thanks, Robbie. Uh, hey, thanks for having me on board, mate. Um, it's it's a it's a, such a learning um, process, isn't it, as a coach? And if any of the advice I've given can help anybody, that's fantastic. And um, I will continue to seek professional development. I'm really looking forward to going to St. Peter's. Um, you know, that program now has evolved holistically from learn to swim through to high performance. Um, and the, the link with the school there and what it encompasses is key to that continued success that they have there. Um, and I really hope I can add some value. I'm, the coaching team there is phenomenal. Um, from Stewie with the juniors all the way, um, you know, up to um, um, uh, Maxine that works alongside Dean there. Uh, Scotty that's going to be working with me. Um, it's just, um, yeah, a, a very exciting opportunity for me. I'm going to get a lot of PD, um, some fantastic kids to work with. And, um, yeah, I, I'm really looking forward to it. But thanks very much, my friend. Um, no worries, I do, would mate. love to say this. You'll probably edit this anyway. But i love to see how well the podcasts are going. You've really opened up communication through coaches and swimmers with what you've been doing, mate. Um, and I, and I, it's been fantastic to see, you know, you, you, you're doing a great job. So good on you, mate. Well, thank you very much. And no, I will not edit that out. I might actually make that a <laughs> piece. <laughs> Highlight that and put it at the front, at the back and in the middle. So no, thank you. <laughs> Love it. All right, buddy. See you, Take mate. Care. See you, buddy. Bye.